1: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
2: Hello, and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show that's available via iTunes Podcast for Apple devices or Acasts, which works on iPhone and Android. You can listen to us any way you want by heading to MarcusBronzy.com/forward/slash/meets. That's Marcus. B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com forward slash meets. Fung Butcher is today's guest and he's currently enjoying his journey as a producer and DJ traveling the world, playing out, uh, playing his own productions, which again spins on national radio. Uh, he's currently got a radio show as well uh, on the UK's Kiss Fresh Nationwide. Um, he's also a part of the How to Kill an Hour family, which is the brother podcast podcast To this one. Now, it would only be right in that case to have him on Marcus Meets as a guest. And a lot of people know him as a music producer and a DJ, but he's also got a lot to say. Um, So we kick off. So coming up in this show, we talk about scandals in music production and also the fashion world, his knack for making tweets that cause a stir in the Twitter sphere, using his student loan money to kickstart a career in music, earning what he calls his radio MBE and uh, more. Uh, but we kick it off with a conversation that was actually popping off on social media that day that he was having some input on about a producer called Hannah Wants and the release of hers, which sounds a lot like another artist. What's going on there, Funk?
3: Hannah wants has produced a new track called Found, I think it's called Found the Ground, and it sounds freakishly similar to a track called uh, Mercy VIP Remix done by Bodica, um the remix is done of a Joy Orbison track. And um, the reason why there's kind of like been such an uproar on social media is because there has been, like it's been widely known on kind of like an industry level. And it's kind of seeped through to that, the, the average Raven consumer that Hannah wants uses a ghost producer. And to some people that's obviously not very highbrow because that actually happens a lot mm. in the, the electronic world. There's a lot of people kind of using people with um, specific expertise in that field to give them a, a bit of an edge with their brand So that's That's nothing New Whatsoever I think the problem That people are finding With this is that There hasn't been Any attempt To kind of like Mask Where the influence Has come from It's just been A straight Swap job And Everyone's kind of like Been waiting With bated breath To see what Bodak has said In the matter And he made a statement Recently saying that Um when Bodica, when he produces, he produces only under the names mm. Bodica and Instrumental. And that's what he's saying in the matter. So obviously, if you fill in the gaps, that basically means that he had nothing to do on a production aspect, engineering aspect, or otherwise consultation aspect in regards to this tract. He didn't give any blessings or whatnot. That's, that's kind of in, in Twitter, in Twitter world, verbatim. Mm. Um, so, I mean, what it does, it, it, it from my perspective, it sets a dangerous precedent for up-and-coming producers and DJs because it says to them that this kind of behaviour in electronic music is okay. It, I mean, there's kind of been talk on a different level of the kind of abuse that she's been getting, which is obviously really, like, it's... It's, it's disgusting. I mean, on that level, people are obviously using, um, the fact that she is a female and, and, and using that aspect to kind of attack her, her mm-hmm. gender and whatnot and, and take digs at her from that aspect. I don't feel that, um, because she's a female and has done that, that she should have carte blanche to kind of literally, um, do this and not be reprimanded. Yeah, by her peers, by the consumers and whatnot, because even though she may have she may have kind of um, articulated her naivety in 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 the situation, and that she is coming from a good place and whatnot. There was all these other kind of additional. Pros to her character, which she was supposed to, she was trying to offset against what she'd been accused of. So she was trying to kind of like win the affections of the people that were currently sitting on the fence as to not if she'd done it, but why she'd done it and what her intentions behind it. Because obviously, we like the evidence is out there that even if um, the track isn't a blow by blow replica of the original. It is so similar that it's pretty much like the same track, kind of thing. So, um, just just her 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 approach to it when she done the press release yesterday, I felt like it probably, even though her silence spoke volumes, it it probably wouldn't have hurt her at this stage to have just kept silent because I felt like personally as from a perspective of a DJ who's learned how to produce, the response was a little bit insensitive. Really? Like yeah.
2: what, what was the, what was the gist of the response? That I think
3: it, it, the gist of the response was like, okay, it, there was no real apology, which is essentially what people were looking for. That was the first thing that people were looking for in the whole kind of like, um, um, kind of the, 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 the piece that she disclosed on through her facebook and it went up on resident advisor the first part was an apology which there wasn't one to be found and the next part was kind of like an explanation of her character and how people should kind of not look at watch other what other people are doing and yeah and it was kind of like a, a sense of she was she was creating uh, a misdirection. It was, it was classic magician work kind of thing. So, Mm. um, yeah, I mean, I always add a little bit of, of humor to my tweets and whatnot. And, and, and I did the same with this situation, but there is a lot of seriousness to this because it does set a dangerous precedent when, um, someone isn't kind of held accountable to the fact that, okay, just because something can be done, that doesn't mean it's right to do that. I mean, yeah, I could get someone to DJ for me. I could get someone to produce for me. I could get someone to do all my tweets, all my branding. Yeah, I can do that, but that doesn't make it right. Yeah. And I think we're at a stage now where some people are assuming that just because someone else has what they, what they believe to be the, the ingenuity to do that, that means that we've, we've gone in a whole different tangent of, what is deemed acceptable in creating a brand and building uh, a successful um, entity in music, and it's just a bit like, hmm. I know there's no rules in music, but I think we're we're approaching that stage now where people are taking the birdies a little bit. It's the Wild West. I'm mm-hmm. in the Wild West now. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of cowboys
2: out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, interesting. And mm-hmm. so, layman's terms, like, for, so that I can understand, just to yeah. recap it. Hannah once released a tune that sounds very much like yeah. Boudicca, sorry. By budoka yeah? So, we will see how this pans out. No official apology yet. Yep. No real... Do you know what I say I do, I do like about this? is that No one's mm. been vicious with this. Yeah. have just kept it like... It's very British stiff upper lip kind of yeah, sounding, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, very yeah, like, yeah, as yes, well. I just want to say I had nothing to do with that track and then mm. her reply's been quite civil. Yeah. I feel like if this was in the hip-hop et- side of things, yeah. well, we've already seen what happens with Meat, happened with Meat Mill and Drake. That yeah. got yeah. ridiculous. So, yeah interesting we'll see how that pans out but it's funny that you touched on your tweets because i like to start off a lot of marcus meets by discussing someone's recent tweets but you're like a master tweeter when it comes to stirring the pot of twitter and getting a reaction (laughs) like you you're very good at giving that running commentary that sort of shows that you're aware of the situation but also adding some comedy into it i think one of the tweets that Stood out the most Was a Drake tweet That you That you dropped uh, When Drake and Chris Brown Had a Had a, f- a fisty cuffs yeah. In a club Yeah um, You can explain What that tweet is about Actually That, that was a really good one
3: Yeah um, I think it was off It was off the back end Of The whole Drake and Chris Brown I think they were battling For the affections of Rihanna At the time I, I, I don't know what What episode of that saga was Because I think she's with him now I think she's with Drake now <laughs> Yeah Or not Yeah Eye, eye rolls <laughs> Yeah But Yeah um, and they got into a bit of a heat. And well, not even, not even them, their entourage got into a heated discussion in the nightclub, I think in New York. And bottles were thrown. I think some woman got hit in the face and whatnot. It was kind of quite serious. And I think it's been widely known that Drake is a. Musical entity which favors more of the female audience. So it's like, if you say anything along those lines, people get exactly who you're talking about. So I said something like a bit tongue in cheek. I said, Oh, Drake, Drake and Chris Brown have had a fight. And I said, That's the second time Chris Brown's hit a woman. (laughs) And it's like, I feel like sometimes when I, when I say these tweets, I'm, I'm hoping that people will not take that literally to heart that oh my god he's advocating domestic violence and because i'm not in any way shape or form it's just like i have a sense of humor which has to step out of the commercial sphere i can't be like encapsulated in this professional bubble all the time where it's just like yes sir no sir oh mm. don't say that and don't mm. be offensive and because we're not like that we're all humans at the end of the day we all like like rude jokes and yeah, your mum jokes and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. We all
2: got to have a little giggle. Yeah. What's been one of your favorite tweets that you've dropped that's got a reaction out there? Cause you do it every day. Yeah. You do it like follow Funk Butcher on Twitter now. F-U-N-K. <laughs> Butcher, like the guy you go to for meat. <laughs> every day you're at it. I mean, what's been one of your favorite ones recently? No,
3: I mean, I've, I've said quite a few humorous things. I mean, I always used to get like uh, ribbed in school with it. Kwame, you can't laugh at your own jokes. I said, why not? I think they're funny. And it used to be such a cardinal sin, like, like comedians don't laugh at their own jokes. But then I thought to myself, well, if you think, if you think you're funny, then that's all that matters. So mm-hmm. I've had a lot of tweets where I'd write them and I'm just chuckling as I'm hitting that 140 and hit send and I'm still chuckling. So there's, there's quite a, a selection. I think I might get to a stage where I might contact Twitter. Print them all off and publish them. Like a bo- <laughs> <laughs> Funk Butcher Anthology of Tweets. Yeah, Funk Butcher's hits. There's a
2: lot in there. All right. Recently, then let's say in the last 24 hours, because there's mm-hmm. been two. Um, by the way, this is like start of September 2016. There's yeah. been a lot of pirating going on today. Yeah. Actually, on, on Twitter, on the Twitter sphere, there's been a the Hannah Wants thing that's been yeah. popping off over the last yeah. few days. There's been a the Kanye thing that's been popping off for the last yeah. few days. So today you've been dropping some. Oh, comedy. okay,
3: yeah. So the so Kanye's dropped. um these new adidas trainers which look <laughs> again freakishly similar to a product that's already out there reebok workouts I think that's what they actually called that reebok yeah, workouts. it was a class, reebok it, classic classic
2: workout it was workouts. a slightly yeah, like, high trainer. top aren't they yeah, yeah. high top trainer or well, you can get them in low tops but they like yeah. a
3: classic with well, a pretty
2: much as they say on the tin reebok classic yeah. yeah trainer and they
3: were just like in in the ends like in like like the, the urban areas of London, they were the trainers worn by predominantly at first, they were worn by, worn by all the white guys, all the white boys in, in the estates and everything. And then later on, the black boys, we had the black ones. <laughs> the black boys, yeah, the black boys had black workouts. And the reason we had black workouts, because like it was more a case of you had to wear black school shoes. So rather than like change your school shoes, like the, the school, head head master head mistress whoever was at the gate they wasn't sharp enough to spot everyone's to see if they were actually wearing shoes hard sole shoes so people had black workouts so he's made a trainer or put a train out on the market which has existed for the best part of like i've been around and he's trying to flog it he's trying to take the piss and i think the tweet i done was um it was kind of mirroring the fact that Something had been imitated poorly. So I said, um, I said, Adidas workouts, question, like, um, exclamation mark. Um, anyway, I'm going to lunch. And I put a picture of a, Na- <laughs> a Nando's restaurant in China. Yeah, everyone knows that Nando's is a, a South African, um, um, chicken restaurant, the franchise. But the Nando's restaurant in China was called Nambo's. <laughs> But I assume a level of intelligence also of the people who are reading my tweets. I don't like to tweet anything that's specifically too obvious, like I I do like to um uh coax the intelligence of whoever's engaging with me. So um yeah, shouts to my, my tweeters as well because I I feel like we're on the same page, the same wavelength. There's nothing really too obvious mm. so to speak. But a lot of my tweets are they're music based and a lot of them are to, <laughs> of current, to current media as well.
2: It's just always, I'm just laughing because they, they, you manage to like be like, hit that hit that relevant tone, but also it's funny. like you said, it's intelligent as well. Like a lot of people struggle with connecting with their audience online. Yeah. What's your secret to connecting with your audience then? Cause there must be like a key that you use or something you think, yeah, this will connect. Major key. What's my major key?
3: Um, um, just be yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like people in the early days of Twitter, um, people always assume that, Oh, I swear someone's writing funk butchers tweets. Someone's writing these tweets because he keeps coming out with this material and people don't understand that everyone's got different varying levels of intelligence. Some people are just sharp at math. Some I'm very witty. I think that's, that's my. That's my key strength. So if I hear something, I might sing a song or a line from a song that it relates to what something someone just said, or that's the way my my brain functions. So I've just do exactly the same thing that I did in the classrooms at school. I've translated that into the 140 character world and, and just kind of like, yeah, disseminated that through through the the social media and I, I kind of do the same thing on Facebook Facebook's obviously the posts are longer but I always kind of like wrap it up with a little comedic gloss so that it doesn't sound too barbed or too preachy or, or too kind of like imposing or whatever kind of thing there is this kind of humorous element which at the end of the day life is hard enough as it is you don't need some like black guy from <laughs> East London telling <laughs> you what you should or shouldn't be doing or what not so yeah,
2: fair enough. So, so social media to you is the high school is double maths on a Friday. Yeah, it's yeah. just
3: it's just literally it, it comes like second nature to me. I don't think when I tweet, which is kind of bad for some people because obviously the reason why some people don't think before they tweet gets them into trouble. But luckily, I am. It's not. I'm not media trained, but I have an, an, an awareness of the the importance of kind of um, media etiquette.
2: So saying the wrong thing the right way, yeah,
3: <laughs> like that. Basically, that's what it is. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, exactly. And
2: as close to the line as you can with, yeah. without without the bosses going. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so DJing side of things, um, yeah. one of the reasons you have to be uh, careful about that is because you're on national radio mm-hmm. as well. So um, before radio, though, the DJing side of things. How did you get into DJing? Like, what's your story? What, what's your entry point?
3: Um, my story is that I've always DJ Saying it always like like okay mama the DJ no <laughs> uh, I've, I've been DJ for a long time I think I've been DJing since 15 in like in and out in and out nothing really consistent it really kicked off for me I, I suppose was I had this kind of like what do you even call it? like I don't even know what you what is before quarter life crisis I had this crisis around the ages of uni where I was doing subjects and um Kind of got a bit of a clever head on my shoulders, but I wasn't really invested in any of the subjects I was doing. And I'm there at Goldsmith University and um, I'm doing politics and I'm like, what, what, what am I, what am I doing with this? Where is this going? Where, like, what am I actually getting back from this? I mean, I find the subject and the whole field of it like, very 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 interesting and it's it's very important to know about politics obviously it's all around us but I didn't feel that what I wanted out of life would be rewarded in me through the political field so at the time um the person I was I was dating at the time I was like this isn't really working out for me I want I want to drop out and she was like what do you mean I was like, this this is working out for you. Well you can't do like three years of a course and wanna and wanna pack it in. Like where do you what what is it that makes you happy? And that was that line it made me sit down and think, I was like, okay, well, I like football and I like music. I'm too old to do football. Mm-hmm. Um so the next step is I guess music, like taking it seriously, um per se. So I kind of like off the back end of of university I started kind of like investing my energies more so into honing my craft, like defining who I was and then kind of like working from the foundation level upwards. So um, I I can't remember how I met up with. I met up with um, Hooligan, part of New Winner Roadshow, a roadshow sound, which is around these sides in in northwest London, and um, he introduced me to a guy called TC Fords, and TC Fords had a, a underground station called Blaze FM, and I went on Blaze FM and took my records up there. I I had previously used a year of my student loan money to to get um some decks, twelve hundreds, silver twelve hundreds, which I still own, and. So vinyl was, vinyl turntables. Yeah, so techniques. vinyl turntables the techniques that I feel like um that was a decision I made to kind of just catch up with a period in my life because a lot of my friends who who currently DJ um make some of my like Spyro, Maximum, um my godbrother Tabsey they've been DJing for years and they actually had the equipment and I never actually had the equipment. So I felt like I was going back in time to catch up by buying all the, the stuff that I, I missed along the way. So I bought that um the turntables and kind of like got the vinyl decks. And I, I literally, I used the last year of my student loan money. And what that meant was, is that... um you know, if you've got fines outstanding and and whatnot, and you had to pay your tuition fees, they with, they hold your degree. So, <laughs> I like I I didn't have any money to to graduate, so I didn't go to my graduation. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I I graduated like in theory, but I didn't actually go to my graduation. I have no money for the gown and whatnot, kind of stuff. I mm. spent all of that stuff on records and whatnot, and and the decks at the time, which were were quite were quite dear. So I'm on blazer firm with tc fords i spent like maybe up to about six months there um and this is pirate radio so it's illegal we're transmitting illegally we're going out there playing what we want there's no real um um restrictions on what we can or can't say but it's funny that there's no restrictions on what we can or can't say yet we're acting professionally as if we're trying to get to that level of yeah the bbc kind of thing we, we are broadcasting we're we're doing links in a, a manner that we at the time thought is as professional as possible. Um, yeah. Shout out to your <laughs> 7-5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're all doing that and, and, and talking over the music and whatnot in a manner that we, yeah, we believe would kind of um, earmark us for bigger things. So I was on there for uh, a little bit. Shouts to um, um, Hudigan and TC4s as well, and, and, and everyone there. And then I got an opportunity to go to, to Deja Vu. And that was like, I have these moments in my life, which I don't care what, what anyone thinks. They're like landmark achievements for me. Like, that's my MBE kind of thing. That's my OBE. That's my that, that's my knighthood. Like, getting a slot on an institution like Deja Vu at the time was just like, it's, it's worth its weight in gold. I mean, I can turn around to any one of my industry peers and be like, yeah, but would you want Deja?
1: Like, oh, <laughs> kind of, kind of, it kind of has
3: that effect. So, uh, being on Deja Vu and meeting the the owner of Deja, the, the legendary Sting, he's got this, this cool, like, tone and aura to him and Sting's been around from uh, the jungle days, throwing telepathy raves and whatnot. And, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the, the, the day I went in for the, we, they have radio meetings at, at, at Pirate Radio. So, part radio is is really communal you feel like a family you go there you pay your subs whatever whatever, and the subs obviously contribute to the running of the station if something breaks if the mixer breaks if the decks breaks it's alright because everyone's chipped in however much money was, I think it started off like £40 and went upwards and per show as well per show yeah yeah, per show so is it per show?
2: was it a month I don't know monthly, <laughs> monthly, yeah, monthly okay. yeah
3: monthly subs yeah so um, I remember going to the first radio meeting. So it's, it, this is kind of this weird initiation. First, you have to kind of get the number of the person who runs the station or who is kind of like programming the station. And that's, that's hard enough as it is. Cause it's just like, oh, who's, who does this and who does that and who's running? So you get the number and then you just like, yeah, when they get on, it's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Like phone goes down. And it's just like, okay, like let me, let me try again. And then you try and try and think yourself, damn, like there needs to be some way where the person can connect the dots. So when I call the person, it's not a cold call. So I think i got someone to give them a mix CD that I'd done. So they obviously kind of let the mix CD marinate for a while. And then I've called, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. come down to the meeting. Okay, cool. I'm in. So go down to the meeting and whatnot. By that time, um, um Stings had the the, the C D and my memory is really bad. Um anyone who's around uh, Deja, don't they'll, they'll, they'll know who I'm talking about. Like, I haven't seen these people in years. So this this other person Who was in the studio basically um I expressed this thing I said sting um yeah he said what said, what days are good for you?" He's like it's really kind of cool like voice and I goes well basically I work Monday to Friday the best days I can do it was a bit cheeky was Saturday or Sundays it was a bit cheeky but Saturday afternoons was kind of like it was pretty much prime time Friday mm-hmm. evenings Saturdays Sundays is prime time because everyone's kind of like they're not invested in whatever their 9 to 5s or whatnot they can lock in so me um pinpointing those time slots it, it was a bit presumptuous for this new buck coming in and saying oh yeah well yeah i don't know I don't know what car i would like to drive i guess i could drive the mercedes kind of thing it was a bit <laughs> crazy, like yeah. yeah you're pushing your luckier man so um uh i'll never forget it i'm t- i've i've given sting the, the times that I can do and this guy is standing next to him had a whisper in his ear and then
4: normally being a little extra can be a bit much
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss it was like he was on the verge of giving me
3: that Saturday show and then afterwards like the guy whispered in his ear and he's like "Uh, oh, well we could do Sunday 8 to 10 how does that sound and I was like oh 8 to 10 I'm like yeah that's cool no 8 to 10 a.m <laughs> oh <laughs> and I held I held my disappointment in because I was just like, yeah, Kwame, this is the opportunity. This is this is hard work. No one says it's going to be easy, so you take it. The it wasn't exactly graveyard, but it was graveyard because what the kind of music I was playing, it was rave, it was upbeat, it was party music. So the people that were going to be up at eight to ten were people like luckily fall, come fall in their house at the end of wherever or. Mum's getting up in the morning to, to, to make the kids breakfast. So I wasn't actually being able to hit my core demographic at that time slot. But I was like, you know what? Let me show William and, and just start with that, that show and, and work my way through. Um, yeah, progressed through there, worked my way up on this, through the station and got to Saturday, eight to 10 in the evening. And then I kind of hit like a, um, a fork in the road of my career. I, I felt like, um, I was, I had this kind of insatiable appetite. I I needed to absorb as much from a field as possible. I was just like a leech. I was just like, was choice of a better word, but I just wanted to absorb all the goodness of what it requires for me to be the best in my field. I felt like I'd hit that point with with Deja, and. I had to do something really difficult for me because I felt like at that stage, um, Sting and Rachel, they'd been mentors to me. Basically they'd given me a, an opportunity that I was very grateful for. They given me a platform for me to, um, articulate myself. I started my, my, my brand, my houseology one-on-one show, which is kind of like it's supposed to be like a free of house music in London, in the capital. And I was trying to, Put an umbrella underneath it Whether it was funky Whether it was house Whether it was tribal Whether whether it was Tech Whether it was Soulful That was the house Of the G101 brand It was what London was listening to At that present point in time So I was doing that show Through The The platform that Deja gave me And When I Came to that um, When I came to that that uh, that notion that I learned possibly all I could learn at this place and I had to move on. It was very difficult for me to actually kind of have that conversation with, with, with Sting and Rachel and, and whatnot and, and Frisky as well. So I left there and I went to another station, which is Pirate at the time, called Rince FM. Vince was a... Um, Rinse was evolving rapidly. what Rinse was doing at the time was kind of capitalizing on a lot of the the hot um current sounds in London's underground, which was the core i mean the underground kind of like it gives the thumbs up it, it validates everything and then the mainstream kind of follows on from that point. Vince was the the point where grime was being validated where funky house was being validated where um dubstep was being validated Vince was that that initial entry point for the underground consumer which later you'd find on um platforms like your one extras your choice fm at the time bbc radio one and so forth so to be a part of that brand was quite exciting to be a part of um uh a I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a rebirth, but a transition because they were moving from the pirate sphere into something more professional, more more structured, more um more aspirational. So when I landed, I did um shouts to Rat. Rat gave me an opportunity. His name's Rat, but it's it's not a rat, it's actually a huge <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Rat um is that was the station is was not sure rat was the station program at the time and Rat gave me the opportunity uh whatnot and um scratcher who used to do the breakfast show scratcher was on there and scratcher uh, was the person giving me a lot of a um um just vouching for me saying yeah this this guy is is doing good things on the underground and, and whatnot and Give him a crack. Give him, give him a show. Yeah. See how it goes from there. So, from that place, I was in a sphere of like-minded, aspirational professionals, whatnot that were consciously taking their music game seriously. Whether they were producing, whether they're making, um, whether they were developing their own record labels, whether they were um, trying to get, in, trying to get top ten hits and, and whatnot i was in that community i was in the right melting pot so i felt like i could immerse myself in an environment where i could learn from people to the left or the right of me and and that would make me rise better to to my a game um so yeah i mean when i think about the whole the whole Dj route it's it's weird because so much happens over a period of time. You, you, you can't even begin to to document it all. I mean, the whole déjà thing to rinse to now kiss the club scene, the way clubs close, and obviously recently Fabric just just shut. The the landscape, not even sonically, but physically, the landscape, the the demographic, everything, the way it changes is so rapid it's it's kind of like it's hard to explain to someone what it is like and the one thing i always do say to someone is that the is the 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 irony of being a dj that plays to so many people is that it's quite a solitary um um profession you are taking on these roles whether you're doing remixes whether you're building radio shows whether you're um because obviously, in the times of your pirate radio, you're 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 building your own brand and your own radio show. That thinking, that the, the the genesis behind that is all independent. There's no one behind you. There's no team behind you sitting down saying, "Oh, funk, why don't you try this?" Or th- there's none of that's happening. So you're doing that all by yourself, and it's kind of like a suck and see scenario. You 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 put it out there, and, and it might not work first time, but then you just keep plugging away at it, and then then the penny drops and then people start to kind of know about you what more. So, um, I feel one thing that isn't really spoken about a lot of the time with the DJing is the, the, um, the, the mental drain it has. I've, I've seen a lot of my peers battle with, 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 um, I know it sounds really cheesy and really kind of like millennial hipster-ish, like being a creative, like these individuals are taking a leap of faith and they're trying to build an institution, a foundation for themselves. And some of us, it works or it's working, hasn't worked yet. And for some people it doesn't, but literally i take my hat off to all the people that, that give it a shot because there's nothing harder than having to, um, for starters, motivate yourself, motivate yourself to, to progress in a field where there is no real incentive there because initially there's no money there. Initially when you're doing bookings, you're you're doing it for free. Mm. You're doing radio for free. You're doing radio, you're doing pirate radio for free or you're You're doing pirate radio, you're paying for it at the risk that you can get uh, arrested as well because it's illegal. So like, there is no, nothing in it for yourself initially apart from, um, you see the, the, the long game It is like I say to people, it's a labor of love. So, um, just, um, dealing with that and watching people come and go and whatnot and, and putting yourself in a space whereby you can, um, you can begin to present yourself in the most professional aspects possible. Like you say, with the social media, there's, there's so much that obviously goes on within an individual that you can't actually portray through social media because that's, that's not what you're supposed to do. No one wants to see like, if you if your baby mothers were rolling around on the floor, no one wants to know if you, the bailiffs were at your house uh, last night. No one wants to see if you got arrested for drunken disorderly. Like, even if you want to get that off your chest, social media is not the platform to do that if you're a professional Mm -hmm. person in the creative field. And it's very hard to kind of like rein that in because other people can do that. Other people can do it because eyes aren't on them, but you find very quickly that you can be become the subject of like gossip or, Mm. or, or, or hearsay amongst your peers. If you let off things like that. So, um, you, you literally have to wear two faces, yeah. Not be two faced, but you have to wear two faces. You have to wear a professional face and a, and a personal uh, face to kind of get through the majority of what this industry throws at you. I mean, I remember, I remember um, um, my 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 kid's mum, and I said to her about how um, I'd got bumped for a booking. I was supposed to get paid for booking. The promoter done a runner. It's cash in hand. And it was weird explaining to someone that isn't in that field the, 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 the course that you have to take to kind of um, not reaffirm your position but to provide some sort of resolution for the fact that you've been shortchanged mm. because for most people you, you go to HR. <laughs> there's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah. HR in our world. There's yeah. no like, there's, it is literally, that's, that's the best way of, of putting it, it is the wild west. the are people doing unscrupulous things and whatnot, they're, they're pushing boundaries of what is yeah. allowed and, um, and whatnot. And they were doing it week in week out kind of thing and you're in amongst that trying to look at the, the long game of hopefully it doesn't always have to be like this. Hopefully you can get to a bookings and half the money's in your account and yeah. you just you can just concentrate on doing your set rather than getting to a booking, doing your set, spending the next half an hour trying to find the promoter <laughs> like you're some fucking funky house Jack Bauer. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: secrets. <laughs> Ethan Hunt,
3: <laughs> Ethan Hunt, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's 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 very taxing.
2: Well, what an interesting insight into the taxing the wacky world of entertainment and its ups and downs. It sounds like sounds like a an episode of EastEnders sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, and also um, how Funk earned his Radio MBE. I like the way that you put that. And that wasn't the end of our conversation, though. Find out how the industry is changing. Plus, hear more of uh some of his wicked stories that he's uh along the way and also some great people that he's working to in part two of this episode which is either out right now because you can download it and if not it will be out in a couple of days now marcus meets is produced and hosted by myself marcus bronzy thank you to our co-producers billy wright shane powell david Shawcross. special thank you to milo fisher in research and production as well for this one Kyle James Wide Awake aka CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for our stings and outro music you can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes Podcast Apple Devices or Acast which works on every single phone that I know of if you're unsure what will work with your device head to marcusbronzy.com slash meets that's marcusbronz dot slash meets this show's made just for you and we'd love to hear what you think of it as well push the subscribe button and we'll fire new episodes directly into your phone for free we'd also love your feedback in the form of a review which you can do by going to marcusbronzie.com forward slash review or just clicking the link that we've put in the link for you it helps us to get to more ears and if you really love us then uh head to marcusbronzie.com forward slash coffee or marcusbronzie.com forward slash tea and you can buy us a tea or a coffee in the meantime thank you for listening i've got a bit of a sore throat so i'm gonna go and have a rest